Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. God is moving. I tell you, He is moving. And there is such an expectancy uh, spreading right now throughout the church world where revival is concerned, the move of God, uh, uh, visitation of God, whatever you want to call it. The, the, the consciousness, the awareness of this is spreading. I was in Tulsa this past week at Winter Bible Seminar, and, uh, and that's what the theme was in all of the services was the revival, God's moving, get ready, and, and just an expectancy. And, and all of my pastor friends, you know, people are just talking about it. I tell you what, there's a move of God on. Glory to God, and it is spreading. Yes. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. This is not part of my message this morning, but I'll go ahead and read it because it fits right here. Philippians chapter 3. Amen. Amen. Philippians 3, verse number 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay, lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Paul said, the Lord Jesus has laid hold of me for some things and I'm pressing on that I might lay hold of that for which he has laid hold of me. Now the Lord has laid, laid hold of us, for instance. Just talking about our local church, not, not even talking about the whole body of Christ, but just right here in our church. The Lord Jesus has laid hold of us for some particular things. It's found in our vision. Yes. He's laid hold of us in the same way that he laid hold of the apostle Paul. I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness of the things which you've uh, seen and the things which I will yet reveal unto you, opening men's eyes, turning them from darkness to light, from the authority of Satan to God that may receive forgiveness of sins and their inheritance. And so the Lord Jesus has laid hold of us for these things. Well, we have to lay hold of them. It's not just enough for him to lay hold of us for those things. We then have to respond and lay hold of those things. Amen. Now, another scripture that we've been using a lot around here that says, let us run with patience the race that's set before us, having laid aside every weight and the sin which easily besets us. You can't lay hold of what Jesus has laid hold of us for while you're still holding on to things that weight you down. Things that hinder, listen, turn loose of the things that are hindering you from laying hold of what you're supposed to lay hold of. We have a prize set before us. It's far better than any of those things that are holding you back. It's far more glorious, far more uh, uh, fulfilling in life. The things that God has for you, he's wanting you to just turn loose of the things that don't satisfy, that you keep trying to grasp and you treat, keep trying to hold on to, thinking they're gonna make the day, thinking they're gonna turn your life around. They never do, they never satisfy. Give up on those things, praise God, and lay hold of the real treasure. Amen. Glory to God. We're laying hold of some things around here. Amen, revival is on the move and we're flowing with it, amen. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you, Father, that the entrance of your word gives light. It gives revelation. 
It gives direction. It enlightens us in our spirits. It enlightens us in our minds. It energizes and quickens our body and provides life into our very mortal flesh. We thank you, Father, that your word is quickening us. Glory to God. We thank you, Father, that your spirit is acting in line with and in harmony with the word to quicken our mortal bodies. Glory to God. Oh, we thank you for it, Father. We thank you for what you're doing among us. We thank you, Father, for the outreach that we have in lives all over this community as we live our lives publicly and as we open windows of, of, of insight into what you're doing in our lives, just opening those windows in a, in a very natural way, in a very easy way, Father, and we're letting people see the glory of the Lord. Oh, we thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. We expect, we expect today to receive great and mighty things from your word, to see things that we don't know, to see things which we've not seen and not fully understood so that we can rise up and lay hold of more of what belongs to us. While we pray, Father, we pray for all who are in authority. We pray for all of our civil leaders and so forth. Father, for good government in our nation, our state, our, our county, our city, our town, Father, for the sake of the gospel. Oh, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Go with me to two openings. Go with me, first of all, to... Acts chapter 3, that'll be our second opening. So go to Acts chapter 3, hold your place there. We're going to read in verse 19 and 20. That's Acts 3, 19 and 20. And then hold your place and go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read there first. Luke chapter 19. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's on the move and we're moving with him. Amen, amen. There is a revival. It's happening here. It's gonna increase here. Begin to say what you believe about this church. Amen, strengthen what you say. Say it on a, on a regular basis, what God's doing. We're in revival, we're seeing revival. It's growing, it's strengthening, amen. People are being saved. Backsliders are coming back. People are being healed. People are being filled with the Spirit. Glory to God. People are being set free from all manner of bondages and, and so forth. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. If you found Luke chapter 19. Now we're going to start in verse 41, but I really, and it's, it's sort of a heavy passage and, I, and I'm not going to get into all of that. I just want to get us down to the very last part of verse 44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another." Of course, we know when that happened. That happened in 70 AD when uh, 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 the Roman government came in and just uh, destroyed the temple and, and dismantled it and so forth. And so this prophecy came to pass. But notice he said in verse 44 in the last part of that, this will happen because you did not know the time of your visitation. 
You didn't know the time of your visitation. Notice it wasn't just a visitation. He said it was your visitation. And then back up in verse 41, he, spe- he said, it's especially in this your day, the things which make for your peace. There are things in this day in which we're living. This is a day of the Lord. This is a day of visitation. This is a time of our visitation. Let us not fail to lay hold of it and to get the most out of it and to receive the things that belong to us and cooperate with the things that the Lord wants to do in us and through us during this day. Now, we talk about Ananias and Sapphira as an example of someone who was in the midst of of a mighty move of God and they missed out on it. Let's go over there to Acts chapter chapter 4. Well, I think we start in Acts chapter, the latter part of chapter 4. We'll get back to chapter 3 in a minute. Think about what was going on in Jerusalem at the, during the time of the book of Acts, particularly right at the beginning. Jesus had come. He had been revealed to the nation of Israel. He had been rejected. He had been crucified. He died as a ransom for the sins of the whole world. God, three days later, God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. He ascended into heaven and 50 days later, 50 days after he was raised from the dead, the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out. The church had been birthed upon Jesus' resurrection from the dead and then 50 days later when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Holy Spirit came upon the church, energizing the church, empowering the church and in a blaze of fire, the, the church age exploded on the scene. Marvelous things were happening. Think about the time. Think about the day of visitation. How epic it was, how huge it was, how important it was, how significant it was. And these folks were right in the middle of it. Let's get an idea of, of all that was happening. You know, Peter and John were arrested and, and charged, you know, not to, to preach in the name of Jesus. They went to their own company. They prayed. And the Bible says uh, in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. How many? All. All. Great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of those things that which were sold. Now this wasn't their primary residences they sold. This was extra properties, second homes, other properties. If they had sold the homes they lived in they'd all been on the street. They'd all been broke. Now they brought the things that they had extra and they brought these things and they laid them at the apostles' feet and it says that uh, uh, they distributed them, then the, the proceeds to each one as anyone had need and Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. 
But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Notice this was not compulsory. They weren't required to bring anything. They weren't re required to sell land. But what they did is they sold this property and then they tried to present that what they were bringing to the, to the church and to the, to the apostles represented the whole amount and they were secretly keeping some. Peter said, it's under your control. It was under your control even after you, so, even after you sold it. The problem was they were trying to lie to the church. Peter said, you haven't lied to men, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And Ananias, hearing these things, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in. Now notice the church service was still going on. Glory to God. And uh, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. So we use this very often as an example of someone who was in a mighty move of God. And if we're not careful, we have the idea that they missed out on the whole thing, that they were just, it was going on all around them and they weren't aware, they were aware. Ananias and Sapphira were in this revival. It was going on all around them. They were aware of what God was doing. In fact, they were trying to even participate in it, but with a heart that wasn't fully surrendered to the Lord. I tell you what, in this time in which we're living, these days, this time of revival and, and these end times, it is so important that we lay aside everything that would trip us up. And be sincere in your heart. Be committed in your heart. Make the consecration necessary. Leave off anything that will trouble you and hold you back so that you don't miss your day of visitation, your time, praise God. This is our time. This is your time. This, is, this belongs to us. There are things that belong to us in this time. Things that God wants to give us, things that he wants to do through us. We've come to the end of the age, church. We've come to the end of the church age. So much is going on. Don't, don't just come to church and agree. Don't just come to church and, and be in agreement with it. And, and even rejoice in it. And fail to get in it. And failed to, to lay hold of it. They're so, like I said, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, were, they were people that were recognized. 
They were in this move. They were part of it. They were going to the services. They were attending the meetings. They were caught up in the excitement of it. And yet their heart really wasn't surrendered to the Lord. They really had not consecrated themselves the way they needed to. And and it cost them everything. Amen. Oh, church, let's not miss out on what God's doing. Let's not miss out, praise God, on what he's doing in these days. Judge your own heart. Amen. Now go with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 Verse 19 and 20 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Notice there are times of refreshing. Notice it's not singular, it's plural. There are times Repeated times of refreshing. The Greek scholars tell us that this word refreshing refers to, in its its purest form, really this is the only place in the New Testament this particular word is used. But this word comes from another verb. Its root uh, word is a word that refers to cooling. A cooling in the sense of when someone is overcome with heat, And they receive a cooling wind or a cooling drink and it refreshes them and revitalizes them. And the commentators tell me, the Greek commentators tell me that this word actually means a revival. It means revival. Several of the modern translations read read that way. Weymouth's translation, for instance, says, so that seasons of revival may come from the presence of the Lord. Well, that's what we're in. We're in a season of revival. Oh, hallelujah. Do do you know, do you understand how precious it is to be in a season of revival? These things do not come cheaply. They don't come automatically just because God decides to send them. They don't come without a cost When we're in a move of God, someone has paid the cost of prayer and supplication for such moves. Amen. We've been praying around here for seven years, going on eight years. That's a lot of prayer. Amen. I tell you what, you need to be here on Monday nights. Oh, my, my, things are popping here on Monday nights in prayer. Amen. You just need to come out. You will be blessed. Amen, your life will be enriched, enriched. Just come on out and give it a try, praise God. Amen. Amen. But we've been praying and there's been a steady stream of prayer now for, for seven, almost eight years, praying about our vision and praying about what God wants to do and signs and wonders and miracles. And we are entering into the, the a level of revival and visitation that we've really not seen before. 
And like I said, these things don't come easily. They don't come cheaply. They come as a result of people laying hold of God, laying, reaching out and laying hold of those things for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of, uh, of, of us. I've had that scripture uh, in me for several years now. Uh, in, on Monday nights, you come on Monday night prayer, you'll remember that I've prayed that verse of scripture over and over and over. We're reaching, we're laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of us. And it is precious. It is awesome when it happens. Oh, glory to God. It's, it's, it's like gold that you've dug and you've searched for and you've, and you've panned for and you've sought and looked and, and finally you find it. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. When you strike it rich, you haven't fully uncovered the full vein, but you know you're onto something big. You can see that there's a lot of gold deposited in this area and you get excited about it. It makes you want to dig even more. It makes you want to forget about life. It makes you want to forget about everything else. But let's dig this gold out of the ground. It's more important. You don't sleep anymore. You don't eat anymore. You're just digging. You're just because you're so consumed with the treasure of God. That's what revival does to you. Woo, hallelujah. Yeah, <laughs> glory to God. It's precious. Amen. Don't miss it. Don't sit here and not judge yourself and miss it. Amen. Encourage you not to do it. But if you do it, it's not gonna hold the rest of us back, praise God. <laughs> We're gonna dig it up, praise God. Amen. Amen. We're gonna have the riches. Glory to God. And we just don't want anybody left out. That's all. Amen. Just going about your own natural life, ordinary life, just your routine. Now, you know, just your routine, doing a little bit for the Lord, just doing, you know, what's, what's necessary to get by that, that, you know, yeah, you'll get to heaven, but boy, you're going to get up there and you're going to go, what was I thinking? So much God's doing. I mean, what a, what a, uh, uh. A tremendous thing to think that, that God's on the move and we're in it. We're, we're flowing with it. We're cooperating. He's using us. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. There's a great harvest. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, there must be a refreshing and a revival in these last days. When you think about it, the last days, there would have to be revival. There would have to be. There must be. There's no way the church will be able to do its job and to be the church that it's supposed to be and be the light and the salt that it needs to be in a day of wickedness and in a day of turning from the Lord. There's no way the church can stand and be the influence and the light that it's supposed to be without God moving. There has to be revival. There has to be. You must be revived. There's no way you can stand as you ought to stand in these last days unless you are revived. I'm going to say that again. There's no way you can survive as you should and, and be the Christian you need to be without you experiencing revival in these last days. These days will wear you down and wear you out unless you're quickened by the Spirit of God.
These days will wear you out and wear you down and test you and try you and you will not pass the test without revival. You think God gives revival needlessly? No. You think he moves just because it's fun to move and it's just something arbitrary? No, it's necessary. And we cannot really survive as we should without it. And, I, and here's what I do and I encourage you to do. I say, I must have revival. I must. It's not enough for me to stand here and tell you, you must. I must. I recognize my own frailty. I recognize my own humanity. I recognize my own natural tendencies. And I know in these last days, I must have revival. And so because I know I must, I will. I will be revived. I will have refreshings from the presence of the Lord. I will because I know I can't survive without it. I know I can't be what I need to be. I can't be the pastor. I can't be the Christian. I can't be the father. I can't be the husband. I can't be the person, the light I'm supposed to be. I know I'll not do it unless I'm revived by the Spirit of God, unless I lay hold of what he's doing. And not just consider it something arbitrary or something that's just a, a, a take it or leave it kind of proposition. It isn't. It's not an option in my life. I have to be revived. Glory to God. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Turn with me to James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Excuse me, I had it written in my notes wrong. It's James chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now he says, be this is all about the coming of the Lord. He uses a natural farmer as an example to illustrate what he's saying. And he says, see, see the farmer. See the farmer waiting. See how the, precious, how, the, how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Well, we know the farmer in this analogy is the Lord. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's telling us, take note of the farmer and watch what he's doing. What is the farmer waiting for? He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Listen, the fruit of the earth. I'm not talking about crops. I'm talking about a harvest of people. Lives is precious to God. It's precious to the Lord. That's why he's waiting. The Lord sees the darkness that is growing on every hand. He already has, has declared what's going to happen to this world. He knows the time of trouble that's ahead. He knows the rejection and the, and the uh, assault against everything God stands for. He knows that's coming. But why does he delay his, his coming? 
Even as it grows worse and worse and worse. Why is that? Because he sees something different. He's, he's not looking at that. He's looking at the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for it. He sees it. He's waiting for it. And, and he knows that before that fruit can, can be fully ripe, there has to come that early and latter rain. The book of Joel talks about the early and latter rain coming in and in the same month. Glory to God. It's the rain that ripens the harvest. It's the rain that brings the grain to its fullness. Ripens it, uh, uh, fleshes it out, makes it full and rich and, and uh, 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 tasty and abundant. See, God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, but, he, but there's also the time of the rain. Glory to God. The early and the latter rain. He said, waiting patiently for it until it receives. What receives? Until the harvest. Until, until the crops receive the early and the latter rain. There has to be a, there has to be a harvest before Jesus returns. There has to be. Or else why would he wait? What's he waiting on? He, he, what, if he's not waiting, if there's not a huge harvest to come in, then he would be foolish to continue to wait. There is a harvest, an end time harvest. There has to be. And for there to be a harvest, there has to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There has to be. Oh, glory to God. I tell you what, you can get your eyes on the world if you're, if you're not careful. You can get your eyes on all that the devil's doing and all that people say is going on and going wrong. You can get your eyes on, all of the, on, on those things if you want to. But do what the farmer does. He's waiting for the fruit. He's waiting for the harvest. Keep your eyes fixed on the harvest. Keep your heart expecting the rain of God, the outpouring. For us as Christians... That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the return of the Lord. We're, we're expecting a harvest to come in. And before that happens, we know there has to be rain. So we're looking for it. Glory to God. Waiting for it. But not just passively waiting. Praying. Doing our part. Glory to God. To cause the, the, the rains to flow. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. That's what we're doing. That's what it's all about, church. Glory to God. The only way... God can work in the world for its salvation is, is by working through the church. The only way God can work in the world for its salvation is by working through the church. You know, we are the body of Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. God is working in this world for the salvation of men through his church. Amen. But for that to happen, for in order for him to work through the church, the church must flow with the Spirit. The church must yield to and cooperate with the moving, the direction, and the empowering of the Spirit. I said the church. That's us. We must flow. All of us. This, this is necessary. So don't miss out. Don't fail to cooperate. Don't let your 
ordinary, the ordinary things of life, your habits, your schedules, your routine, don't just stay where you are. Examine your heart in prayer. Say, God, I don't want to move. I don't want to miss out on what you're doing. What, what do I need to do? Oh, glory to God. To yield to and to cooperate with the moving of the Spirit, the direction, the empowering of the Spirit. Church leaders need revelation concerning what to do and the grace to flow with it. That's why it's so important. We'll talk about this more uh, tonight. I'm going to pick up here tonight. Don't, don't miss out on it. Well, I don't normally come on, on Sunday night. You need to come tonight. Amen. Don't miss out on it. It's important for the church to pray for its leaders so the leaders will know what to do, what God wants, and, and have the grace to cooperate fully. You know, church leaders, and I'm talking about on a national level, but it's also true in local churches. Church leaders, I've seen this happen so many times. Church leaders become so heavily invested in their program that when God moves in another way and takes the church to another place, they're so heavily invested in their branding. And, and how they do things, they're not willing to flow with him. And I've seen it. I know back in 1987 when the Lord uh, gave Kenneth Hagin that revelation concerning New Testament worship. And it was published in the book Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. There, there was a correction given. A word of correction to the church concerning new, what comp, what. Uh, 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 can, uh, can, what New Testament worship consisted of. And I saw churches, particular large churches, that were really uh, uh, signature churches. Churches that, that were so identified in the Word of Faith movement. They, they were, they were uh, important churches, recognized and some of them had become so committed to a style of worship that they, in order to receive that correction from the Lord, they'd have had to go back and just scrap everything they do. But they were so heavily invested in it, and they had taught it as a matter of, of doctrine for so long, they couldn't make that change. One particular church I, I'm thinking of right now... Uh, they, they, they just they came out and said, well, we don't believe this is of God. We're not going to make this change. That was a church of about 4,000 people. Huge campus. Big buildings. Thousands of people in attendance. Had a Bible school. Had all sorts of things. Just in a few short years, that church, I just found out this past week, that church, their congregation has dwindled to the point they're having to sell their entire campus. It's up for sale. I mean, they've just gone down to a handful of people, can't even maintain their building. The buildings are paid for, but they can't maintain them because they did not recognize the day of visitation. They didn't recognize God was, was moving. And so, and so it's very difficult sometimes for church leaders to, to recognize 
uh, when God is moving. And if they don't move with that, then they set themselves up to follow a wrong spirit, to follow a wrong pseudo-revival, a trend that comes across as this is the latest thing, but it's not of God. And they rejected the true because it was uncomfortable and chose to go with something that they could easily identify with, and, and, and that has brought these churches down. It's a serious thing. That's why you need to pray for your pastor. That's why you need to pray for church leaders, you know, uh, at large, that they will that they will hear from God, that they will know what God's doing and what He wants, and and, and have the grace to to yield to that and flow with it. Amen. We'll talk more about that tonight. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Great things. Woo! <laughs> Great things are happening. Oh, I thank God that I'm a part of it. I thank God that I'm in, that I'm alive at this time and, and that I'm in this place right now, that I'm where I am in, in ministry and in the, in the work of God. I thank God that we have come to this place. I can see that all of our years, God has been building and planning and laying a foundation and positioning us and placing us in this place at this time for what he wants to do to wrap up this age. Amen. Glory to God. Woo, thank you, Lord. Let's just stand up and thank him for it. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Father. Glory to God, 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 glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Whew. Praise God. Glory to God. How glorious it is. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father, for this day of visitation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get serious, church. Get serious. Get serious. Hallelujah. I know some of you are, a lot of you are, but I know some aren't. Get serious. Get serious. Hallelujah. Examine your heart. Submit yourself to the Lord. Let Him deal with your heart. Great things are happening. Don't, don't be left out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. As for me, I must have revival. I must. I will. I am, praise God. I just, won't, I just won't take anything less. Just won't accept anything less. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. 
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.